to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss career reentry, advice, strategies, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. Before we get started, I want to remind our listeners to be sure to sign up for the I Relaunch job board because that is where employers go when they specifically want to hire people who are coming off of a career break. So take a look at that on irelaunch.com. All right, uh, gonna move on to our conversation today. Today, we welcome Shweta Sharma, a senior software engineer at Intuit. Shweta started her career at a startup developing a product for digital marketing. Later, she joined Intel and focused on growing cloud technologies and architectures. Shweta moved to the United States from India and worked with Microsoft and Pandora, and then joined Intuit before moving back to India in order to continue exploring different dimensions of software development. In today's episode, we speak with Shweta about her three career breaks and experiences job searching in both India and the US. Shweta, welcome to 321 iRelaunch. Thank you for having me. Um... Really excited. Yes. Well, we're so thrilled to be speaking with you. You have such a unique experience in terms of your career path and uh, working across two countries. And we are, I have a lot to learn. So let's start by talking about your career path and what prompted you to take your career breaks. So I have a long career path. I have gone through, like you explained very well. Uh, from a startup, I started my journey, then moved to Intel. I was there for a couple of years. Then I worked with the um, company uh, in a healthcare domain called NextGen. That is also in the uh, US. And then I took my first career break uh, to move to US. Um, and um, then I, I worked uh, for Microsoft for a short amount of time, not short, almost two years. And then I moved uh, to California. And that's when my second break was. Uh, I was in Seattle before that. Mm. And after that, I, I joined Pandora uh, there. I worked there for a while. I had my son. And that's when I took my third career break. Mm-hmm raise my son actually and um, then um, I was on that that was the longest break I had it was uh, around two and a half year or more than that almost three years mm-hmm. and then I joined um, uh, the company JFrog a very brief amount of time like almost two months but uh, um, and I joined Intuit full-time uh, uh, after that say um And then I think I've never looked back. (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) So, you know, there were were career breaks because of relocation. It sounds like once um, uh, to a new country, once to a new state, um, and then your career break for childcare reasons. So, again, underscoring that uh, people take career breaks for a whole range of reasons. And and you, um, in your your story, you have more than one reason yourself. So uh, thank you for pointing that out. Can you talk to us a little bit about how different it was to be job searching in India versus the United States? Right. So I think it is a difficult question. There are two phases I would like to divide it. One is you are on break. You are on a career break. 
and one is without career break. So I think without career break, the journey is same for everyone. But when we talk about getting back to work after a break, um, I think there's a specific uh, difference I have seen in both the countries. Um, Technology-wise, it is same in at both the countries, actually. Um, and you have to prepare, you have to have the tech knowledge, you have to crack the interview. And I think uh, in India, earlier it used to be very tech-centric interviews where they focus more on technology rather than, you know, the, the depth of uh, algorithmic knowledge and problem-solving skills. But that, is change, that has changed over the period of time and uh, changing now. But... What I see distinguishedly is the opportunities, uh, opportunity-wise, the U.S. is better. I see that they are more open because I've seen it is it is there uh, um, as a culturally it is there. Uh, you know, uh, it is natural for people to take break, to pursue some interest. They want to learn a guitar. They will take a break and they will come back to work um, for uh, child care, for any various reason. But it becomes very challenging in U.S. when you have you are on a break and you need visa to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when it makes a lot of difference. And uh, you know, um, so being in your home country, whether India or anywhere else, that really you know reduce uh, uh, the burden you have in your head that okay, how to get the work visa. Mm. I think uh, that's what uh, I think is the the bigger difference. But that being said, I I I, I believe that if you share your superpower in an interview, and that reflects in your resume, mm-hmm. you can relaunch your career anywhere. That's what I have seen. Interesting. So we want to get into that in a little bit more detail because I think that's such an important message how you tell the story, how you talk about what um, your, your top skills are, as you're saying, your superpower. Um, can you just give us a sense of how long it takes to get a work visa um, once y- you were in the U.S.? So it's not, it, it, that, that is one question. That one part of this question, uh, the work visa is specifically, every work visa is different, mm. but the, the work visa for special skills, for example, for tech, I would need is called H4, that mm-hmm. H1, sorry, that is a specialized work visa. And that happens only once in a year in US. You file for it. The employer has to file for that work visa. So you have to get the job first. Uh-huh. Uh, that happens only in April. April, you will get to know you got the work visa or not, but you will be permitted to work in October that year. So you see the difference, the journey a people person has to go through. And uh, again, the difficulty I have seen is when you are on a dependent visa, for example, like when I moved to US, I was on the dependent visa because I followed my spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, that time, the judgment comes into the picture. People do judge you on okay, if she's so capable, if she has all the skills, why she's on dependent visa? They really don't ask you the journey, the reason behind it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that, that, that comes up into the interview directly or indirectly. So you have a hard time convincing a person that, okay, once you, you are there. So I think the, the, the difficulty is lending the interview. 
showing that you are on dependent visa. I, I believe once you are there, you can crack it, but lending is the, the challenge. Yes, for sure. Um, so one thing I just wanted to clarify, you said the company has to sponsor you or en- engage. Then is there a different status later on where you can interview first independently before you have a, a company that you're connected with? Uh, yes, there are a lot of if and buts. Um, the you can the, the visa I talked about, you can change your job uh, and you can find another employer as long as they are ready to sponsor you. There's no restriction from the company as such, but I've seen a lot of people getting into this trap that, okay, if we are filing your visa, you have to work with us for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with the all big companies, but there are commitments people do make to, you know, because uh, the visa fees is very high. It's like around uh, $5,000. Mm-hmm. So companies, when they're investing in you, they do want to do, do want you to stay with them. Got it. All right. That we've never discussed that um, on our many interviews that we've had. So thank you for enlightening us on that piece of the process. When you come here on a dependent visa, you're you're an expat. Um, you know, you're essentially a trailing spouse or partner, which is a reason you know that people take career breaks and the complexity there that's involved with you um, ultimately being able to relaunch. So. Thank you, Shweta. Uh, Can you talk about how you approached the job search and picking whichever one you you want to use as an example, or maybe um, more than one? Uh, Did you use a different approach at different points, like after the third career break versus the first one? And um, maybe just give us some more detail about uh, where you think milestone moments were. Right. I think, um, uh, yes, I followed very different approaches, but I think I had some fundamental rules for myself, which worked out well for me. But I think I can, uh, it's a a very good question, I must say, because many people don't realize that uh, what they are going through in different stages. So the first break, when I moved to US, as I highlighted, I was on dependent visa. Mm -hmm. The priority for me was getting the visa. Mm. But I have no lack of confidence. I never imagined because I never took a break before. I never imagined that, you know, getting an interview, cracking an interview, getting a job is a difficulty for me. I was super confident that way in my mind that, okay, I just have to get the visa. I'll get the job. And I tell you, That did happen. I had difficulty finding a sponsor rather than finding a job. And as soon as I got my visa done, I was the one of the lucky one. You know, that the one of another complexity is even if you file the visa that gets picked up, it's a lottery system. You you never sure that you will get the visa. If you don't, you're again not working for another year. Mm. So I was the lucky one. My visa came out and then. I had the job even before my visa was in my hand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, so the priority changed during my second change, second break, actually. And you will be surprised to know how the tech uh, works. Yeah. I was in Seattle and Redmond area. 
and Microsoft is owning that area. I know Amazon is also there. So the tech stack heavily, which I worked since starting of my career was .NET. Okay. So it was very easy for me to, you know, get to job in the Microsoft being there. The whole area is owned by them. I immediately got it. But when I moved to California, so I was confident. This time I was confident. Okay, first time. Now there's no visa issue. Mm-hmm. California, it is highly focused on Java. They, they are tech agnostic. I will say the California is tech agnostic. All these big companies are there and the tech is continuously changing, evolving. Now, the difficulty for me was nobody was looking for my skills there. Mm-hmm. I have to regain the new skills. I was an experienced person. I knew how to do my job. So I the tech step, step changed. So I, I identified that. I started working on that part. But then the third career break, I think, that is the challenge most of us go through because of any reason we take those breaks. You develop a lack of confidence, you know, you you feel you're technically absolute because when you were on break, things have changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new generation is doing it very differently. The interview pattern changed by the time I came back to the, the second inning, I would say. And uh, then you start developing, you know, self-doubt. Can I do this? Mm-hmm. Can we, will I be able to get a job, right. you know? So that, that was a difficult time. But what kept me going in all three, all in different reasons and, and the phases is the consistency I maintained for myself. I never let go of any opportunity. Um, uh, it was either for the visa, either for the tech, either for the interview when it is, uh, you know, I'm on a, I, I have... I'm developing the self-doubt because I'm not getting selected. Mm-hmm. I I never uh, drop the ball, I would say. That that consistency has, has to be there. That, okay, no, I have to get it. I will get it. Right, right. Well, that's an interesting progression that you're talking about when you start, you're starting out confident because you weren't thinking there'd be any difference than before. And then over time that shifted and maybe that last career break being um, childcare focused as opposed to relocation also maybe changed your mindset a little bit. I have a couple of questions about um, the the, um, timeline that that you just outlined. When you came to California and you said you needed to um, update your skills, uh, you you need to learn technology, a new part of technology. What, what did you, how did you do that? Were there courses? Was it your own self-study, how did that work? Right, so yes, I I started exploring internet. So there are a lot of uh, websites these days. So there is a lead code, there are a couple of uh, the Kata, I'm I'm forgetting the exactly site name, but I can share the list. So I, I came across all these different practice sites. You go there, you write code in a particular language. Mm-hmm. So I knew how to solve the problem. I have to just practice how to solve the problem in this language. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that is a good part I've seen in uh, in all the big tech firms. They are not looking at the tech as such right now. They're not looking at it. Okay, you know Java or you know .NET. They don't do that now anymore. They look at the problem solving skills. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're able to solve the problem in any of these language, it works. So which is a 
very good progression I have seen. And I must say, um, I love Google that way. I have given interviews to Google also. Um, they do, they take interviews on the notepad or the Google Doc. Oh. So they're purely looking at your problem solving. They do want you to write the right piece of code, mm -hmm. but they're not saying, okay, you have to write in a particular language. Whatever mm -hmm. you're good at, confident about, write in that. So that was a good thing. Yeah, we have heard um, advice uh, pertaining to, to the situation you're describing where the, there might be a question and they ask about it in a particular, you, they want you to use a particular code. And if you don't know it, the advice is to say, I, I can solve the, I can show you in this other language. Um, and usually they'll say yes, but you have to, to know that you can suggest that you can um, problem solve it, but it's going to be in a different language. Yes, yes. You have to ask. You have yeah. to express. So technical relaunchers, make a note of that. Really important <laughs> point. Um, now, did you need to build professional connections in each place that you went, or were you using connections from your prior location or employer? How did that part of it work? So I definitely reached out to my old network when I was looking for the new job. I did reach out to, if they cannot help me with uh, uh, the job search, they can help me with recommendation. They can help me with references. So mm -hmm. I, I definitely reached out to them. I wrote to them on email that I would need your reference, you know, if I'm applying there. And they were all kind enough to provide those, even though they worked with me like a while ago. So, um, uh, so as you said rightly, and I, I, I have this as a keynote for me. Um, always ask, you know. Um, and if you don't ask, other people don't know that you need help, or they can support you. And it's not help; it's a support from your allies, which you may get. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so. so I just want to highlight that you're saying you got references from people that you worked for some time before that. What we hear is relaunchers being afraid to be in touch with people from years back because they think they're not going to remember me or um, they will be upset because I'm not, I haven't been staying in touch in, in the interim. But uh, we do hear that uh, people are successful reconnecting with uh, prior um, colleagues or people they reported to, and they years later will write that reference for you. So it sounds like that that happened in your case. Yes. And I would say, you know, there are, if I reach out to 10 people, maybe four of them replied, mm -hmm. but six of them, it, it could not be because they did not want it to give you a reference. They might be busy in something else. They did not really realize that, okay, you need it right now. They're not active on LinkedIn. They're not using that email anymore. You know, so I, what I figured out it, that it's not always about that. It, it's our apprehensions. This is our scaredness. Your network is always there. You just have to reach out. That's an important point because people won't get a response and they, they think, you take it personally. You think it must be me. Um, and it's 99% of the time, it's not you. It's what you're talking about. The email went into spam or um, there's some other circumstance that interfered, as you're saying, 
They didn't know it was so urgent. They are gonna. They want to wait till they can write a more complete response to you. You know all of those factors. Uh, so more likely than not, if you get a silence or a non-response, try to ping the person again, um, or maybe through a different way. If you tried to email them, maybe try to look connect with them through LinkedIn because all of these things happen all the time. Yeah, or or even you know, I I I even if I've not res- got the response from few people, I remember their name. I thought they were very close to me. They supported me at that point of time when I needed them. Mm-hmm. They have not replied it today, but it's not like I still go get in touch with them. There might be some other reasons. Okay, so the maybe the references you are asking for, they are, they really don't know or they can't evaluate you. Right. You know. It, it could go, so everybody has their own uh, thing. But the, the point here is um, build that close circle. If not close circle, what approach I took when I went to, when I reached US is, it was very difficult for me to make friends in Seattle. It's always raining, <laughs> right? Drizzling. So I am more of a little bit religious, even if you're not religious. I used to go to temple, social circles, social activities, and, you know, spend time with connecting with these people and then talk. Where are you working? Mm. Do you have any opportunities there? What kind of work you do? What kind of questions do they ask in interview? So get to know about things and then, you know, you will come across something where they can recommend you. Mm-hmm. Then you say, okay, it's here. Something is opening up. Maybe you reach out and talk to that person. And that really, really, really helped me. Yes, that, that's such a key piece of it. And uh, we talk about how sometimes the the connection ends up being a, like someone who's kind of peripheral, who, who you know, or maybe you may, met by chance or is your friend's friend. Um, and you never know what which connection is going to be the key connection. So... Um, question about uh, the reference piece for people um, who you hadn't been in touch with or, you know, were writing references from a number of years ago. Did you draft it or did you give them some um, like a summary of here's some here are things that I'm remembering from my time working for you? Or did they um, come up with it on their own? Because I'm just wondering, are people much more likely to say yes? And they might they sometimes, you know. I will say to people, can you do a first draft for me? Because I want to see what they write up and then I I can edit it any way I want. But uh, if it's been a while, you might get a yes quicker if you even offer that. Yes. So I have also seen both the approaches. There are some folks who are super busy or uh, they don't really know. Maybe when I approach them, I did not provide the complete background. So they ask that, okay, what kind of reference you need? Because if let's say if I work with them for four years, I might have worked on back end, front end, SQL somewhere. So that may help them focus on the, 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 the tag or the requirement you are you know, approaching or you are you are trying with. And there are some folks uh, who I have reached out every time I, I needed references or I have worked with them very closely. So they know me very closely. So uh, they just say, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do that. I'll, I'll definitely provide it. And, you know, I think that comes out really well because, you know, you can trust them, you can rely on them. Uh, but both of these approaches works in different ways. Mm-hmm. When you need something very specific, do provide a draft. Do tell them that this is what I'm trying. 
this is what I have communicated. Can you provide me some uh, feedback on these kind of focus areas? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So well, that directly contributes. I love this because that's such an important point. What kind of reference do you need? Um, and to make sure that you are directing the person in a very specific way. Um, Shweta, can you talk about um, hurdles that you ran into or um, are, are there is there some pointed advice that you have for relaunchers who are early in this process because it's something that you learned because maybe you made the mistake and, and now you, you know um, how to proceed in a different way? So the first thing is for all the relaunchers, don't be afraid. Do not think about, so usually what we do is when we look at the job post, there are 10 things. And I see that only one thing is what I can understand out of those 10. And then what I will do is, oh, I really don't know what to do. I, 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 this one thing I know really well, but mm. what about the nine others? Do apply. Mm. What I figured out over the period of time 99 or 98% recruiters, they put or, or publish the job criteria in a very generalized way. They try to put more and more things which may work or may fit in for different orgs based on their needs. So if you are good at at least one thing and that is on the top of the list, when you reach out to the recruiter, they say your, they see your experience Hmm. They might call you or they, they they will call you definitely because that is the key skill they are looking for. So you don't know what exactly they are looking. So the first and very important advice is apply for every job you come across that matches your profile, even 1%. Mm-hmm. That is very important. The second thing is get prepared. Don't be scared of interviews. So when we go for relaunching, right, we are always waiting. No, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Even if the interview, you get the like, you're like, I'm not ready. Can I get one, few, some more time? No, you will never, never be ready. What I learned over the period of time, I, I continuously gave interviews for around eight months. Mm-hmm. Front end, back end, everything, and the and and I started loving giving interviews. It was such a nice experience for me. Mm-hmm. I used to go there, interview, and then I come back. I make a list. I still have the email where I started consolidating all those questions which was being asked. Mm-hmm. One list for front end, one list for back end, and then learn what I don't didn't know, you know, and. That's how people ask, right? What did you do to develop your skills? That's how you develop the skills which you have lost during the career break. That's how you get to know what is being asked in an interview. Because otherwise, without that personal experience, you never know what the other person will ask. And, And another very important thing which we always miss, when you go face to face, that build your confidence. Mm-hmm. Build your, you know, you get to get eye contact, you get to express yourself, you get to highlight, like I said, superpowers. So um, <laughs> I'm taking a while here, but what I saw in in couple of interviews, and um, the, I, I love those companies, I would like to highlight JFrog that way, even Intuit, Pandora, all these companies, when I went for interviews, 
I never on the tech stack or I, I didn't know anything about the tech stack they were working on at that point of time. Mm-hmm. And they still hired me, all of these people as a full-time uh, employee. The reason being they could see my journey. That's my interpretation. I did ask them also, like uh, I asked my manager every time, why did you hire me based mm-hmm. on the, the things? I could see the gap so that I can improve myself. Yeah. And the manager told me that, you know, I could see the journey. I could see that you have every time experience with something new in every company and you were able to learn. So, and in interview, if you show, like you said, if we do not show that, okay, I can't do this in Java, but I can do this in C Sharp. I cannot do in in, in uh, Node, but I can do in, in JavaScript. They know that you can do this. Mm. Learning a new language is not difficult. So go face the interview, show them that you got this. They will develop that trust and you will definitely be able to relaunch. So I just want to um, highlight this because uh, as you're saying, sometimes you just feel too nervous, but push yourself to do that interview, even though it might uh, very well result in you don't progress any further. But you're saying you learned from each interview because over and over the questions started to be um, in a certain category or asked in a certain way. And that's exactly how you knew what to do in terms of your upskilling. Yes. Okay. So, so this is a really interesting and important point to actually use this interview process in order to improve yourself as a candidate for a role that you're going to get a little bit later, not right now. Yes. And, and build your confidence back. Mm-hmm. So by the end of this journey, I, I think I started in May. By end of uh, this, by, by, by December, you won't believe I had five offer letters in my hand, back to back. So this looked like a journey to me when I was starting. I was like, okay, will I get it? So the real interview started in July sometimes. Um, And it's not like I would not say, you know, never think people say, okay, um, uh, what will happen? What will they see? You know it. You have to go prepared. I'm not saying you don't go prepared. Right. But the interview, attending the interview in person, build your confidence back. You know, you get your courage back, you get your skills back, you get your, uh, you know, the superpower back that, okay, no, I got this dude. I, I know how to handle it. Right. Telling wow. yourself. Well, I also love that you asked the, after you got hired, why did you hire me? I think that's such an important thing uh, to, to do and to learn. Uh, and thank you for sharing what you learned um, with all of us. Um, Shweta, I, I want to know if y- you can recap one more time in terms of the upskilling. You were listing some very specific uh, websites. I, I don't know. If it, it, are there coursework categories? Are there certain types of um, sites that you think technical relaunchers should be spending time in? Uh, yes, there are courses. If you have been on a long, long break and you really think that you that the tech stack you worked on a while back is not uh, in the market anymore, you can go for those crash courses. I've seen people doing that. Um, those are like three months, six months. I do not have uh, firsthand experience with those, but I have heard from friends. What I did is I, I use these or leverage these sites like LeetCode. 
there's a hacker uh, hackathon uh, um, and there are few more, uh, few more websites. There's one is for uh, front end. Um, it uh, it they call the 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 programs their kata. Um, I'm 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 so sorry, but I will share um, this list offline if that is possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but all these online sites, these are problem solving sites, which has a lot of problems um, uh, there. And you can start with the easy, medium and hard problems. And that's how I prepared for all the interviews. And, and not I, you know, <laughs> all the college pass out, all the new freshers, everybody in market is leveraging these sites to prepare for the interview. Lead code is the most popular one I see. Mm -hmm. um and um one more thing i i think i'm just telling stories <laughs> um, oh we're, we're all ears learning everything that that anything that you want to talk about it's been fantastic to hear too so there's a very interesting story um i was doing this lead code and i always start with problem one so i came up with the top 100 problems which is usually asked in interview and every time i start right let's say when you are on break you you take you work in phases you are fully enthusiastic today. You will practice. Then it's gone for two weeks. Then you're fully enthusiastic. Right. And that is with everybody. So I will always, in every two weeks gap, I will always start with problem number one. Mm. So my better half told me that you're always starting from problem one. How many times will you do this problem one? Right. Like, it's my choice. I want to do this. What, what is... But see what he did not realize. And I'm calling it out because, you know, when your husband tells you, it doesn't hurt you. But if someone tells you, it may hurt you. They're okay, what's wrong with me? Why am I doing it mm. every time? So, but I could see, I didn't reply to him. But then when I thought about it, like how my mind is working. And I want to share this with everyone. You are starting with problem number one, but you're not realizing the first time when we solved it, we took half a day to solve that very simple problem. The second time I solved it, I took two hours. Mm. The third time I wrote the same piece of code, I took 30 minutes. Mm. But when the last fourth time I'm writing it, it was done in 10 minutes. And you know, where does it reflect? It reflects when you go to give interviews. What you're doing when you're writing the problem, you know the solution in your mind because you have done it so many times. It's not the, the solution which you're practicing because you have been out of your touch, you know, keyboard, your speed, your writing power, you're putting your thought immediately. Okay, I have to write main, print, system, curse, oh, sorry, curly braces. All those things have gone out of touch for a while. Mm -hmm. And when you immediately write that, the interview is asking you, interviewer is asking you the solve to problem. You already know what to write before and what to write in the end. Only the middle piece is what you have to think about. Mm -hmm. So you see you're developing speed in the back of your mind. So I want to tell everyone, do not ever think that you're doing something very repetitively. You're building the muscle to see how to do it more and more and more effectively. Because the interviews they ask, they have the limited time, 30 minutes to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And you have to utilize the time to think about solution, not about how to write main arcs and curly braces. Right. Wow. This is fantastic advice. Uh, and I'm going to emphasize it and we'll probably even 
take an excerpt of you talking about this and put it out there um, because this is specific advice that I think our technical relaunchers really need to hear about. Um, and I have heard from them that they are getting stuck um, in the cycle and the starting over and gaps in between. But you pointing out um, about working, uh, flexing that muscle, working on that skill set, bringing down the time is, is preparation in itself. Uh, so thank you. All right, Shweta, we are running out of time. Uh, it's been such an incredible uh, opportunity to have this conversation with you. I wanted to end our conversation with the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something we've already talked about today? Okay. Um, the first one is, as I highlighted in my first answer, I believe, identify and prioritize. Identify what is the need of this hour. And then work on the top priority for that. Is it something, like I said, visa? Is it something tech? Is it something completely preparing or building your confidence back? Mm. Because your approach always changing to address that priority. The second thing, as we both talked about, don't give up. Mm -hmm. Get out of your comfort zone. You know, there are, there could be a technical reasons. There could be emotional things you're going through. We all go through that. Just do not give up. Be consistent in your approach. You take a break a day, go for a walk, do some yoga, meditation, but then come back and start again. You yeah. know, always go for interview prepared, but never say no mm -hmm. to anything. Never say no. The, the most important thing which I have seen has contributed personally in my journey as a relauncher or non-relauncher, pro personally, professionally, ask for it. Always ask what you are looking for. Uh, again, another small piece of story. Sure. I know a friend who got into the relaunch program, who, who joined Intuit as a relauncher to the Intuit Returnship Program. Mm -hmm. She was really good. She was working so hard. But she did not ask for the work where she thought might excel. Mm. She just continuously doing what were asked for her to do, where she was really not performing that well. But I knew her. So I could see that if she asked for it, she can do much better there. And then in the end, they let her go. So mm -hmm. people cannot really know what you need or what you can do better. You know yourself. Mm -hmm. So go ask for it. And then if there, there will be two things, either you will get it or you will get no. If it is a no, the next point I always emphasize on, get the action items in. You ask your manager, recruiter, the people who are saying, okay, yeah, so sorry, it didn't work out. Can you please let me know why it didn't work out? I really want to work on those things. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, people are kind enough and not very diplomatic. They're, no, 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 all good. They will give you specific action items. If not, you work on getting those action items. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then build your network. Once you build your network, 
you will get to know about many things which is going on in and around you. It could be school PTM, it could be, as I said, temple, it could be schools, or it could be any, any, anywhere, you know, like we said, reach out to your old network. It will help you. These are the key things which I will think of. Fantastic advice. Uh, Shweta, thank you so much. Um, I want to just add that we will put in the podcast notes some of the resources that Shweta is going to um, follow up uh, with uh, about uh, certain technical websites or other places to make sure that you can get yourself back up to speed. Uh, and so we'll get very specific about that. Shweta, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I really enjoyed talking to you. It was such a pleasure. Uh, Carol, uh, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for listening to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we talk about return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. I hope that all of you who are listening, who are relaunching, will check out our resources on irelaunch.com and make sure that you sign up for our job board and make sure you're on our mailing list. You will get our weekly return to work report, which is full of opportunities specifically for people who have taken career breaks. Thanks for joining us. Bye.